This is Sarah Thibault, host of the SideWoo podcast. This is a space to investigate what makes a creative life possible, from the mundane to the sublime, the physical to the metaphysical. Welcome to the SideWoo. Hello and welcome to the ninth episode of the SideWoo. This is your host, Sarah Thibault. Um, I am just coming off a booster shot, which I am happy to get. And can I just tell you that the nurse who did it, I didn't even feel the needle. It was like the best shot I've ever gotten in my life. And I was so nervous after, you know, the Johnson and Johnson one kind of hurting a lot. Um, Anyway, so I feel great. No major signs of illness yet. I know you totally care. I'm also coming off the holiday sale at the Minnesota Street Projects where I did in-person tarot for the very first time um, paid. I do it for my friends all the time, but I haven't have just sat in a room and done tarot for a bunch of strangers. So it was really exciting. There were a few babies on the way, um, and I felt like I learned a lot about myself and other people. And one of the things that I think is really interesting is when I'm giving um, tarot readings, a lot of the times the advice or kind of feedback I'm giving the people that I'm talking to is actually really applicable for me. And so I'm almost telling myself the advice while telling them. Um, I don't know if that's normal. If you're a tarot reader and you have or have not had that experience, I would love to hear about it. Um, episode, I talked to a friend and residency director of a residency in Lacos, Crete, in Greece, and his name is Matthew Halpin. He's an artist and has been running this residency for, you know, seven years, I want to say, and finally has just self-published his first book. Some of the drama that comes with the territory of hosting a residency in your house. Um, He kind of has like two apartments in this old building in Lacos, Crete, and on the one side is him and his partner, and then the other side is like three or four rooms where residents can stay, and then, you know, chaos ensues, fun, drama, love, breakups, smoking, beach. Yeah, so you get the idea. I haven't read it yet, but I'm really excited because I remember him talking about it way back in like 2018, and it has finally become a reality. So if you are interested, a little bit in this conversation, but if you want to read it, um, you can go to the link in show notes. Some self-promotional stuff. I am still doing a giveaway of tarot quickie readings for the first 10 people to write a review about the side woo. All you have to do is subscribe, rate, and review the side woo, and then send me a little screenshot or an email with your handle, I guess, on Apple Podcast. And then we can talk about scheduling a um, tarot reading for you. Um, Tarot quickies are just 15 minutes, and that was what I was doing over the weekend. I give those as well as um, I'm going to be doing a special for the new year, um, a Wheel of the Year reading, because I also really like to do it personally on my birthday. Um, But And then I'm going to offer that with a 25% discount on the Astral Planner's if you purchase the Wheel of the Year reading at the same time. And in the Astral Planners, the daily calendar to keep track of your woo, one of the first things I knew I wanted there was a section to write down information about a Wheel of the Year tarot reading. 
And basically what that is, is you pull a card for every month of the year. And then depending on, you know, who's doing it for you or if it's you, you can pull a second card for each month that kind of tells you a little bit more about the challenges. So like the first card is the theme of the month. And then the second would be something that would maybe keep you from realizing that to its best potential. Um, and then I would always do one in the middle um, as kind of the, the theme for the year and then the challenge for the year. So yeah, it's really fun. I love doing it. Um, you can do it for yourself. You can hire a friendly tarot reader. You know, it could be any and all of those things. So if you want to do that, go to my website, ninaarnett.co. I still have a few um, planners left. And if you're in San Francisco, you can buy them at Adobe Books, um, Dog-Eared Books on Valencia, and Park Life. And then if you're in Oakland, you can go over to Maker's Loft and get a copy there. So anyway, that's all for now. And I'm really excited about this episode. We recorded it back in March 2021. um, And, you know... Matthew had just come out with his book, so I wanted to share it, you know, to kind of give him a little wind beneath his wings. So I hope you enjoy it. Thanks so much. Gone short and I've gone long. How long is your hair right now? Mm, down, to, down to shoulders. Oh, wow. Elegante. <laughs> oh, uh, more lazy. <laughs> I can't yeah, be well, it's hard to get haircuts here. I don't know how it is there. And I'll be open for a short while in summer and I cut it down, but I don't know. It's, it's kind of nice to have a bit of long hair in summer because it's wet and it stays cool and then in winter it keeps you warm. Yeah. Yeah. So for the listeners, this is Matthew Halpin and he is an Australian artist who moved to Greece in, I don't know what year you moved there, back in the day. That was almost 10 years ago now, 2010. Okay. And started a residency there in on Crete. Yes. About five years ago, I started that. Oh, okay. And the first five years, you had a different residency on the beach or something? When I first got here, I, an Italian lady and a Finnish lady had an amazing studio at Amaldara Beach that they were using. And they wanted more people in there to keep them company. So I went in there and used the space as well. And then the Finnish lady left and the Italian lady wanted to make it an artist residency. And we got along well. So I kind of helped her with the residency, but had to move out as an artist studio. But it was really nice that the space was still used for art. And then she started to wind her residency down and I could see that there was a real need for that sort of thing in yeah. Crete. And I saw that it was actually really quite easy to do. All you need is a space that is comfortable and, and I think it helps that it's beautiful and advertising people come but you know it's Crete too because people want to come here yeah how did you end up on Crete because you know there's so many islands in the Aegean well my partner is Greek our teacher and there was a job here so he uh. took it and we'd been here on holidays before and you know if you I don't know if you've been to other Greek islands but Crete's you can yeah. go to 10 Greek islands or you can just go to Crete everything is here and having a city is nice as well so it's an island but you know you've got the benefits of the city 
Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask you about this later, but we can talk about it now. There are so many islands and they're all really small. And then Crete is the same size as all of the islands mashed together, basically. Yeah, it's huge. And you are located in Heraklion or Heraklion? Heraklion city. Yes. It's Greece's third largest city. So a lot of artists come here expecting the the island experience. And then they get here and, you know, it's half an hour's walk to the beach. They're not going to get it. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> but I think it's quite nice because you get a true taste of Greece. If you go to a lot of these islands, you know, you get the touristy version of Greece. Yeah. You, you mix with lots of foreign, lots of foreigners. But in Heraklion, you know, you're thrown into Greek society, which is nice. Yeah, it's a port city. So you kind of feel like it's just people are working there, people are living there, they're raising families. Yeah. And Especially Arachnia. Yeah. There's another couple of cities here that are Hania and Retino, and they're very beautiful. Oh, but yeah. they die in winter. They're, you know, oh. they're tourist towns. Here is is a proper Greek city. Yeah, I've been to Hania and that was really beautiful. But I could see that where I stayed was kind of up the hill and it was more suburban and people lived there, but there was yeah. nothing going on. And then you go down and it's the old town by the water, and it was all the touristy shops, and I just felt like there's only so much Greek frozen yogurt you can eat. <laughs> After a while, you need yeah. <laughs> some kind of real culture and engagement yes. with the city. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then, so you're specifically, and I can see your kitchen. Are you in Lacos right now? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'm mixing half between the city and half between the new village project. The, the city, I, I, I tend to get more done in the city because I've got all my painting stuff here. And I'm writing this book. When I go to the village, there's there's a big garden and there's nature. It's really lovely just to enjoy being there rather than do quite as much work as here. <laughs> yeah, totally. So for when you say the city, you're in the Lacos neighborhood, which is where the original residency, the Lacos project yes. started, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, okay, because I want to talk about Ana Estitas and I want to talk about yeah. Robert and your work, but maybe you could just say, so you were kind of saying how you came to Crete with your partner and you saw that this other residency was filling a need. And then how did that translate into you doing what you did in Lacos? Because I found that to be such an inspiring project and it was as much about like bringing artists in as it was. It didn't really start as a, artist residency, the whole project. The project started because Lacos is a little tiny area within Arachion's old city. And it had been, uh, as you would remember, in the past, it had, in the in World War II, between World War I and World War II, it became the area for prostitutes and buying drugs. It was a really naughty area. Um, <laughs> and then, <laughs> And then when all that finished, the immigrants were living here as well. The, any a good Greek would not live in Lacos, and the, the reputation remained for a hundred years. And when I came to Heraklion, I saw that the, the city is mostly modern, but in in Lacos, and there's a couple of other spots within Heraklion's old town. There are the poor areas where the locals don't want to live, and in those areas, there's all these little cute houses. So many of them are abandoned that some of them need pulling down. You know, it's hard to find owners. It's all sorts of horrible stories. Anyway, the most, in my mind, the most beautiful parts of the city were abandoned. So we found an apartment 
in in Lacos, and then slowly started to find out the history and get to know the locals. And I did a project. My first community project was I don't know if you remember the Bangladeshi mini market at the top of the street. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that was blown up in some. We don't know if it was a racial hate crime, some sort of other business getting jealous of their business, but I did a project to raise awareness for the the, the Bangladeshi family and the municipality and I helped to rebuild the shop and I got a taste for doing this kind of stuff. I had no idea that that was the origin of your work in the neighborhood. Yeah. That's pretty traumatic. Does that kind of thing happen a lot in Greece? No, it was really weird because you've been here. It's so peaceful. It's it's even this is meant to be the worst part of the city. You, know, you can walk around here any time of the day and feel completely safe. So that was just a one-off. But I got to meet some really great people while doing that project, and it, it gave me the confidence to say, let's do something about regenerating Lacos as well. So originally, before the residency, it was more community-based, painting old houses trying to find owners of abandoned properties and it all got it got kind of unsustainable because there was only so much money that I could be given from donations for paint and volunteers got you know in the beginning it was very fun but after a while the momentum started to die yeah and I had to you know what can I do um I want to I really enjoyed doing that so the artist residency made sense because the artists would come pay a fee and the fee would would support the residency. And then like yourself, artists would come and make murals in the area. It, it took off. It was great. Yeah. And so the original one, I remember seeing photos on your website where you painted the entire block, different bright colors. Was that kind of the original? We did the square first, the Laco Square. When we first moved here, it was just a car park. There was nothing there. And then the Cafe Neon opened and that got some of the cars out. And then um, <laughs> the cars in that neighborhood are hilarious. It's like the street is maybe six inches wider on either side than the car. And they just yeah. have to go through. Oh, my God. You really have to not care too much about getting pranged into here. Yeah. They've started to fix things up. There's actually a big makeover planned for this year. I don't know if it will happen now with the virus. But um, sometimes I've been accused of gentrification, and it is kind of gentrification. But you know, the, the reality is there's there's not really people renting here. That it never had the artists move in and the move in and the poor people make it pretty, and then suddenly the money comes. You know, it's, it's still fifty percent abandoned. Wow, yeah, because I remember they're all kind of limestone plaster too, so a lot of it's crumbling. And your mural, and you've replastered walls in both Lacos. I can and- do that now, but in the beginning, I used to have to. Well, I do a, a really dodgy patch-up job, <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> and you know the, the the nature of street art is that it gets vandalized pretty quickly. Oh, by the way, yours are all still fine. <laughs> no one's vandalized yours, but a lot of them get vandalized, and then you know you have to repaint them with a new a new artist comes in and repaints them. So I touch them up all the time. Well, that's cool. And so I'm curious for one of the things I want to kind of do with the the podcast is give artists a sense of what it is like on your end as the person who runs the residency. 
just yeah. the day-to-day, you know, and there I've, I have friends who want to start residencies. And so like, kind of, what is that like for you? And then also what, what do you look for and how can artists put together a good application? So first maybe start with what is it like on a day-to-day basis running a residency? And maybe we should talk about your other residency in Anoacitas. Yeah, I get asked quite often too by people wanting to make a residency. And, sure. you know, it's not its not the all sitting around drinking coffee and talking about arts. That's a tiny part of it. You know, I'm the, I'm the secretary. I'm the tourist guide. I'm the cleaner. I'm the events organiser. You know, sometimes there's little debacles in the house, you know. It's, it's so many things and you don't really get your own opportunities to make your own art. It's, it's kind of a full-time job. And it's, it's really more like running a hotel than running some dream residency. That's what I've told people because I've seen that from you and a couple of other people where the people who do it well treat it like that and the people who don't do it well and end up with a lot of crabby residents think that yeah. it's going to be this high-minded place where you're going to come together and be philosophizing and it's like there's so much <laughs> more to it <laughs> by the by the end of the day when it's busy that's the last thing I want to do I actually find the hardest part is the socializing last time you came it was quite quiet so yeah. it was easy to spend time with you but when the house is busy you know it it's it's the last thing I've really got time or energy to do yeah yeah. yeah, and I think you do a great job of showing people around and you would make time to do group dinners and take people to events on the Venetian wall, which is near the... I always remember every other day there'd be an event downtown and so you'd be like... Oh, in the summer, the events are nonstop. It's it's so strange. We're in Carnival now and there's just nothing happening. The city is dead like the rest of the world, so it's nothing new to hear. But yeah, normally when this pre-COVID, the city is crazy all summer for months. Yeah, what is going on now? You said that there was a corn or not a what do they call it? You have to So we're in full lockdown, curfew six o'clock. It it makes sense in like Athens and Thessaloniki, the other big city here, but we've got really very low numbers um, of cases here. So it's people are a bit upset that we, why we've we been we've been locked down for four months now. Why, why are we locked down and yet no one's no one sees anybody that's sick no one knows anyone that's sick yeah but you know being Greeks being Greeks if it did get in here and it, you know it's I think there's 40 people in the hospital today if it did get in here everyone's sharing food everyone's touching everyone's kissing it would probably spread quite quickly and you know the Greeks being Greeks they don't like rules too so a lot wear the mask but it's probably more to keep from getting a fine from the police that are here, but you don't really see them either. <laughs> so it could go crazy like in Italy. Oh, wow. Yeah, I actually don't remember ever seeing a police officer on <laughs> <laughs> If you do, they're having a cigarette in the smoke somewhere. <laughs> totally. Wow, so lockdown for four months. And so when you go outside after 6 p.m., you could get a ticket? Is that the idea? Or? Um. I don't. I'm not worried about getting virus, but I, I, I try. I follow the rules just because I don't want to seem an asshole. Because um, yeah. there are a lot of people out there that do worry. And you know, I, I stand out as a foreigner, and yeah. I know when I see other foreigners, I, I just don't want to be that foreigner that looks like they're taking the piss. No, 
but yeah, a couple of times I've been late getting back, and you know, all the kids are out there, and people are supposed to get home. You know, you, you tell a Greek to be inside by six, it's going to be six thirty. Greeks are always late. <laughs> <laughs> <That's fair enough. laughs> They're like, oh, I don't even have a watch or anything. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are they still doing ferries back and forth, or how is that? Oh God, I've got an artist here right now. He's from. Paris um and he got here just before the lockdown and he does not want to go to Paris because it's cold he lives in a studio apartment the lockdown there is much more severe there's police mm. um and he's organized to do a big mural he's actually painting the roof of, of the flat roof of an apartment building in the in a village somewhere and he ordered some special paints come from Athens on the ferry and there's been this big storm and this he had to cancel the appointment because the paint hasn't arrived and I saw a, a video of the ferry rocking like it was in a bathtub. And I thought, oh, my God, how does this ferry not sink? Totally. Oh, my God. Was it <laughs> yes. one of the open-air ferries or a closed-off one? Yeah, the big ones. The big ones take tourists, but they're also, you know, supplying the island with things for the supermarket and all the shops. So they're more about transportation of goods than actual passengers. So they're always running as long as the sea's not too crazy. Got it. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. I've been on a couple of ferries where it was the one to Santorini. And yeah. can I tell you that story? Were you sick? I Well, I was kind of sick, but basically a bunch of us had signed up for the slow ferry, which yeah. is really smooth. And then that got canceled an hour in. Yeah. And so we had to go back and take the fast boat and the sail and the, the driver, I think, was really annoyed at having to wait. And so he just plowed through. There was a lot of waves and he just drove so fast and everyone was puking for three hours. Ah, that's the story I remember. Vomit and sound. Oh, no. I was so grossed out. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was imagining getting my cafe and sitting on the deck and like <laughs> in the air and the sun and oh, yeah <laughs> i had an exhibition in athens a couple of years a few years ago in january and there was again this big storm um and the ferries got cancelled for five days and then i had to then the, the notice came out the ferries going and it was packed you, you couldn't i had to find a, a place to sleep on the floor and I, there were so many people i couldn't stretch out there were oh. people sleeping on the staircases oh, <laughs> crazy yeah those overnight <laughs> fairies are pretty funny because yeah you do just kind of yeah uh, another time Adonis told me to suggested we sleep outside and it, you know it sounded all very romantic and then I but I never counted on the salt spray I woke up and I was just covered in salt oh, no. <laughs> oh my god yeah it's definitely worth spending the extra 20 dollars to get the chair I think yeah yeah, yeah especially as an old person um <laughs> come on <laughs> Um, so yeah, you're talking about your exhibition. So you are an artist and now a writer or how did you kind of start your art? Well, I, I pretty much stopped painting. I, when I was young, you know, 10 years ago, I used to kind of channel ideas. It sounds pretentious, but ideas just used to come to me. And then, you know, at, at about 45, the ideas started to dry up. And then, but that was fine because then the, the, the project, the residency project happened and the Lacos project renovating the area here happened. So I didn't really need it. And then, you know, I see so many writers in here. I, I thought to myself when I was in Australia a couple of Christmases ago, I had too much time on my hands there. I thought, well, I can't paint. What do I do? 
And so I just sort of started to jot down stories about living through running an artist residency. And that just sort of trickled along and then COVID hit. And suddenly I had nothing to do, no inspiration to paint. So I thought, I'm just going to go back to that book. Yeah, uh, but that was really slow. It was only when the lockdown came that I, I had time to just do that. And it was fun. I mean, there's so many stories, good and bad. <laughs> You're in the second book. <laughs> wow, yeah, I can't believe there's a whole book before me. Yeah, well, there's been a couple of hundred artists through. Um, so there's, there's villains and heroes. <laughs> Totally. I've heard some of those stories, but I look forward to reading your version of them. I have to change everyone's names. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what are some kind of do's and don'ts of a residency? Because I think, you know, just like running a residency isn't as romantic as it sounds. Like being at a residency is kind of about being a good guest. And I don't know if you have any don't do. I think it's it's really, it's about tolerance and it's understanding that you're in a different place that so some people come here and and they want everything to be home sorry but it's often americans they they want the 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 water to be high pressure they want the locks even the keys to the front doors here everything's a bit it's not a third world country but everything's not quite as modern as other countries so you've got to kind of get used to things not being not working straight away and, you know, the pace is much slower as well. You've got to come here and understand that things are not going to happen as quickly as they do at home. It normally takes, well, you've come and stayed for a month a couple, couple of times. Normally the first two weeks, people from bigger countries need to slow down to start to appreciate being here. So that's a big one, just to understand, appreciate that things are not going to be the same. And, you know, that's why you come to a different country to, to experience a different different life and as far as you need to respect other people in the in the residency as well sometimes the younger artists come they don't have a fully thought out project and they just want to hang out and drink beer and there might be more serious artists in the house that you know they're happy to do that at night time but they don't want somebody knocking on their shoulder in the middle of the day saying let's go to the beach it's yeah respect the other people in the house yeah, totally. I mean, I was thinking about that when I was writing these questions, like what is it that people should think about trying to get out of a residency? And, you know, your apartment is so cool, both in Lacos and Anoacitas, but it's definitely open air. And then, you know, the toilet is outside of all the rooms across a yeah. courtyard and, yeah. you know, the shower is a little funky and but <laughs> yes. that's just the culture and the way that it is. And so and then there's mosquitoes and, you know. Oh, the mosquitoes were terrible. In the beginning, I didn't, we didn't know what they were. I, I was being told there's bed bugs in the house. And I, oh. I knew I'd, I'd had experiences with bed, bed bugs 15 years ago. I absolutely didn't want that. No. And it was only after a while that we realised it's the local skinny pens and just hanging um, the, the the um, mosquito nets over the beds pretty much solved the problem overnight. Oh my God, so much better. Yeah. <laughs> you kind of couldn't sleep without that. <laughs> no, no. And, you know, because most people are, are, are come, they don't want to think about closing windows and doors and making sure there's no mosquitoes coming in. Yeah, because it's pretty hot. So the, but the nets are kind of fun. So everyone get, understands, oh, that's there. I'm going to use that, have that experience. 
Yeah, totally. It makes you feel, oh yes, I am in a different place now. I need this net over my bed. And yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you leave the doors open because the breeze is so cool. And <laughs> I feel like you would suffocate and sweat through your sheets if you didn't leave the doors. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just in the cooking in the kitchen making crunching noises. I don't know if you can hear that. Yes. Oh yeah. Hi to Adonis. <laughs> Hi Adonis. Hi. Hi. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, and so if an artist was going to apply to your residency, what would they do well to say in there? What do you look for in an application? <sighs> I love it when there's a musician and a visual artist and a writer and everyone's talking about what they're doing. And it, it, especially with a diverse bunch of people, it's, it's it's really it leaves scope for improvised collaborations. In the beginning, I used to be quite you know whoever asks to come first, I'll take them. But then you know it started to get quite the I would I had to pick and choose who was coming. So it was more if I thought the proposal was quite serious, they would go first. If it's somebody that just says oh you know I'm going to come and draw, okay, you, that's not a project. So. It was that that did help. You know, it doesn't need to be a three-page essay. Just just tell me this is how you're going to roughly structure your time at the residency and what you want to get out of it. Yeah. And you know, it's really nice when people have some sort of exhibition or presentation at the end as well. But not mandatory, but it, it, it's nice. Yeah, I mean, because the community too. I think a lot of what Lacos project is about. I don't know if Ano Estitas is like this, but it's so much about transforming the neighborhood and engaging the other community members so that you're not just, like you said, a foreigner coming in doing stuff. It's really trying to make it better for people. I think it's really valuable for Heraklion City as well because because of the diverse artists that come here, it means that I can reach out to the same match writers with writers, musicians with musicians, dancers with dancers. So there's a real nice sharing of the cultures, yeah, which completely benefits Arachia. Totally, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of creative yeah. people there. Um, yes, I should have been. I should have, as you said a couple of years ago, I should have been making a YouTube channel, and I've just started to do that too. Um, <laughs> crazy, because you know, it's I've lost four or five years of of great performances not doing that. But anyway, that's started now. Oh, cool. So you is that through your website? You can just go to the YouTube. That I think I think it's called the Lagos Artist Residency on YouTube. There's only a couple of things on there right now because of the lockdown. It's it's very slow. The, the last year was almost a complete write-off. Yeah, well, because it, it has it been in lockdown. Well, we were in lockdown for the beginning of 2019, and then in July it opened, and okay. then in. Yeah, then the beginning of December, it closed down again. But people were scared to travel. There were tourists in Greece, but you know this is a kind of niche thing here. So I was just no, nobody came, which was nice in some ways. We got to go and live up in the village for most of the first lockdown. We bought a house up there, which was meant to be half renovated by now, but because because there's no money. It's, it's still a ruin. That's meant to be, <laughs> we have a living area for ourselves upstairs and then there's two separate areas for artists downstairs. 
because uh, I'm quite keen on completely moving the project up there. Yeah. Um, in in the next couple of years, but you know, it needs a bit of money to be made here to make that one happen. And that village is an hour and a half bus ride from the. City. No, half an hour. Half an hour. Half an hour. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 nice that it's so close as far as time goes, but when you as as you know when you get up there, it's a completely different world. You feel oh, like you've yeah. completely lost left the the touristy, beachy kind of city that Heraklio is, and it's it's a step back in time as well because everything is they're most, it's mostly agricultural up there. Oh my god, it's gorgeous up there. What is the history of that town? Do you know? Is there any kind of? Um, it's got its roots. In sorry, I need to get rid of my dog. He's eating out of the recycling bin. Oh my god, <laughs> Just, totally. Is that Freddy? <laughs> That's Freddy. He's so naughty. Just give me two seconds. Sorry about that. Oh, you're fine. Um, yeah, he should not be eating garbage. <laughs> <laughs> and every during our talk, he's been leaving the door open and it's cold outside. <laughs> I try naughty, and, uh, naughty boy. He's very so naughty. The listeners should know that you have two dogs who look very similar, but they're not yes. related. Freddie no, and all. Betty. Yes. And Betty uh, is most likely Betty Davis reincarnated as a dog. <laughs> well, she's a bit she's girlier than Betty Davis. She's got the uh, expressive eyes. And we've got a new cat now. Unfortunately, Tiger died. Oh. But we've got a new one, Nina. She comes from the house two houses down. And she's a little black thing. She's very beautiful. But the problem is that she, all of her brothers and sisters and mother live two houses down. So the dogs know to chase black cats. <laughs> so oh. when she's in the house, she's okay. But when she's in the courtyard, she's a black cat. Their job is to chase her. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> drama. Cat drama. Yes. yes. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. So how did she end up over at your house? Were you kind of giving her little treats or something? Um, no, Adonis, in the village, and I, there was a, a cat that gave birth and Adonis was looking after its kittens. It had, one was ginger. And I, I, know, I don't want to be kind of racist against ginger cats, but I didn't, I didn't want one. <laughs> so I, and I knew that the neighbor had a really beautiful black cat. I wanted my cat to be a queen. Oh my gosh, funny. But back to Anoasitas, because I feel like as a foreigner going there, I never would yeah. have chosen to go there otherwise. And no. it was what you described. And there was this amazing river walk where you go. Ah, yes, down old- to the Agios Lamios Gorge. This is beautiful. There's two actually. There's the Adonios Gorge and then there's the Harubalos. I think I didn't pronounce that very well. But anyway, there's there's the lower and the upper part of that gorge, and they're both fantastic walks. Yeah. Well, and then one ends up at the, I guess, is it Agio Nicolas Church? Yeah, um, Adonius Church, yes. Adonius. Oh, okay. And that church is really cool because it's got a dead body <laughs> on the floor. No, it's, it's about three or four dead bodies. Oh, and then there's a glass over it. Yes. And you look down yeah. and... yeah. In summer, it's easier to, I think you were there. It wasn't super easy to tell. I walked right over that. It had condensation or something. In summer, the condensation goes away and you can see in there quite easily. Um, I was also, an archaeologist took us there recently and showed us part of the church is ancient. The actual church there is only about 150 years old. It looks old. But there's, there's, 
Yeah, but inside there's pieces of a much, much older church that no one's quite aware how old it is, but you know, it could be a thousand years old easily. Well, because it's built right into the side of a boulder, Cretan. It was, it used to be a place for rituals. It was a sanctuary of some kind. It was actually only for men, I found out recently. Oh. And and there's a there's this hole next to the church that was no one knew how deep it was. And they used to go and offer things. I don't think it was blood offers, but they would offer things to this hole. And then it became dangerous in the in Greek style. They just cemented it up. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's that's, that's there. Like they got the cement. Old <laughs> they just have to get rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unless it's Manoan, they don't care. <laughs> got it. I guess is there anything that you want to kind of talk about for the coming year? I mean, it just sounds everything's on hold and so. Oh. I'm really hoping, I mean, there's the worry now is because of the virus, the house that we're in is, I thought, as you know, the house that the city project is in was abandoned for 20 years and I made a deal with the owners that I would renovate instead of paying rent. The, the, the agreement was for five years, which has just passed. Um, before the, before the, the lock, the virus, they were saying, you know, we're really happy to stay as long as you, but their business has been affected now, so they want to sell the house. Right. But it's it's a it's a really terrible time to try and sell. The you know, the 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 COVID plus the Greek financial crisis, and you know Lacos is a really up and coming area, but it's not come it hasn't come through the other side yet. So I, I think that they'll understand at some point that the the resident they're they're better off leaving leaving the house for a few years. So then the city project will go on. There's so many murals that have been damaged over the last year. The walls that need numerous murals. So I'm really hoping that I get some painters to come this summer and fix some, you know, make start to freshen up the area and just keep going. I would like to stay for another five years and then um, slowly move the project up to the city and hopefully find a way of somebody taking over the murals project here. I know that we can't keep the house forever, but and I don't want to either. It's a lot of work, and you know, I'm getting older. I'd rather just go up to the rural environment and have less craziness. Yeah, more quiet. I know when I was there yeah. both times, there's so many Bay Area people. Every time I was there, there was Cisco, Oakland people visiting. And one That's of them. That's the summer. The Americans tend to come in summer. Yeah, but it's funny. I'm like, well, I didn't know you in San Francisco, but you're here now. <laughs> um, <laughs> I see like, Deirdre is doing some wonderful murals. Yeah. Well, and we met and she was saying that she'd be interested in having her own residency. So I wanted you guys to talk. But <laughs> It's difficult because you guys, I think, unless you've got a European ancestry visa, you need to spend, I think it's 250,000 euros to buy a house and then you get the, the, the visa. But just to come here, you know, it's only three months. It's, it's not easy to do that. Yeah, I know. I was kind of wondering if maybe the pandemic would change that because I know Portugal is like 150 euro for the buy-in to get the residence. Yeah, and I think there's other tricky ways around that too. There's You can extend visas quite easily there too. I don't know how it works, but I've had a couple of artists, one from the Bay Area. She went to, to Lisbon and organized to stay for a while. She actually ended up buying a, a big house in Tuscany 
And then she hasn't been able to come back since, unfortunately. But there may be ways, but it's not easy. I'm lucky because I've got this Irish passport. Oh, yeah, I was going to ask how you made it over here. Yeah, well, my grandfather was born in Ireland. So as soon as I discovered that I could get a European passport, I was in London (laughs) within three months. Awesome. Yeah, I would have done that. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, I think you're a bigger traveler than I am. Uh, I mean, not anymore. <laughs> None of us are. No, well, it'll come back. <laughs> before that, you were in Sydney, and is that right? No, before before here in, in Tallinn, in Estonia. Oh, that's right. You said that. Okay. Yeah, for three years in Tallinn. That was great because I didn't need to work. My partner paid for me. Um, Tallinn is much cheaper than Australia, so we were kind of rich there, so I didn't need to work. So I got a chance just to paint for three years. Which was fantastic and then before that sydney and then before that london awesome and do you ever envision going back or are you kind of in greece now <laughs> um i never wanted to be somebody that would say i, I love where i am and I, I never want to leave but i, I love crete and especially love greece as well it's not a great place to sell but it's a great place to make art yeah and also you I mean it, you can sell a piece of art here for a the same price you would sell it for in, in a, rich, a richer country, and, but the money lasts so much longer. Yeah. You know, through through the lockdown, if I sell a painting, that's me. That's good for a month. I I don't need to do anything else. So if I can just sell one painting a month, then life is fine. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's got its ups and downs, and you know it's so beautiful here. I I and the the people. It's not so. It's not so. Plastic or superficial. It's, it's it's kind of real. Does that make sense? It does. Well, are you saying that Sydney was kind of more plastic or? Well, everyone's talking about what car they've got, what house they've got, how much money they earn. Greeks are not so much that. They don't, the first question is not what do you do? And I quite, I quite like that. Also, I don't speak the language, which probably helps. What is the Greek first question? For me, it's always are you Greek? They're <laughs> yeah. like, are you Greek? You look Greek. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely where are you from? I don't know. I, I, I don't think I can generalize that one. Yeah. Greeks can be quite um quirky. Well, it's like a multifaceted country because Crete is really different than a lot of the other islands and mainland. Yeah. I was yeah. going to actually ask you about that. What, based on your experience, is the difference between Crete and everywhere else? In Greece, or yeah, I don't know. Perhaps we've had tourism longer, so that generally everyone young speaks English. They're they're so friendly with the tourists because they're very used to them. There's no fear. Sometimes when you go to less popular islands, they look at you a bit suspiciously. When I first went to the village, they were looking. Oh, what are you doing? They're they're suspicious outsiders. There's yeah. none of that here. The, the the locals are, you know, they they understand that that's their bread and butter. Yeah. So they're they're friendly, but they're they're pretty much friendly naturally anyway. Yeah, I found the Greeks to be really friendly. Not maybe not quite as much on Santorini, although even there, I just ended up randomly meeting. Oh, but that's people. gross tourism there. You know these 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 horrible ferries that just pile people in, and you know they don't spend any money. They just, you know, mooch around 
block, fill the streets up and then get back on their ferry and eat on the ferry. It, it doesn't benefit the, the locals at all. It's, that's quite sad. I think that's happening in Venice as well. They really need to, yeah, to, to limit definitely. these enormous ferries. Yeah, I know. Yeah, same with Barcelona. I remember being there in like 98 and then going back in 2002 and then going back, you know, kind of more recently. Mm -hmm. And it used to be a really fun place to be. And also Greece, the first time I went to Greece was 2002. And, you know, the tourism was not so accessible, partly because of Airbnb and the internet wasn't a thing. I'm old (laughs) enough. To remember that, but, you know, you had your, your rail mm, pass and mm. you called things. And, um, I got that experience in Barcelona as yeah, well, I, but I found them very <laughs> not friendly at all. The Madrid, the, people, the locals in Madrid were much more friendly. And I think it is because of too much tourism. Yeah. I think so too. And all the, I guess I've read like laundromats and grocery stores and hardware stores, things that a person who lives there needs yeah. can't afford to keep their business because the tourists don't no, go there. Yeah. So, um, now, yeah, no one's living downtown. No, uh, and that's a really bad part of Junction. Yes. Yeah. Um, you, we can see that in Britain, though, as well. These, these, the locals don't live in the old towns there. And so in the in the winter, they're empty. It hasn't happened to Iraqi. Iraqi is quite large. It probably will slowly happen, but it's certainly not happened yet. It's not as photogenic as some of the other touristy no. cities in terms of. You know, so which I think protects it yeah, a little bit from kind of the gross tourism. It's a good stopover to go to the other yes, yeah, beach cities, yeah, and yeah. But that makes it really fun to visit and great for artists. I think it's great for artists because you get ones that come and go. Oh, it's I, I expect to be in Santorini, and I just think, well, go there because <laughs> if you just want pretty, that's not what. I think art is about. I think that Arachia yeah. offers all levels of of ugly and beautiful and modern and traditional. Yeah, it's it's the it's the hodgepodge that makes it so interesting. Totally. The view from your rooftop there, you're just looking over <laughs> a sea of different architecture As... that's ancient in the middle of yeah. something, you know. When I first came, I was shocked. Beam. And, and I used to think it was ugly as well. But now I think it's 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 wonderful. It's fascinating. Well, I don't have any more questions. Is there anything you want to plug? No. (laughs) On my book. (laughs) Yeah. So where can we find your book? Um, Well, the book's not been published yet. I'm just, it's just going through its final edit. edit. I've actually just been receiving little messages on on my screen now saying next chapter finished. And there's, she's got, got about 10 pages left. And then I need to go through, I think I'll just publish through Amazon. I, I gather that, uh, yeah, trying to find proper publishers is difficult and then they take a lot of the money and then you still have to do a lot of the publicity yourself. So I think I'm just going to go to Amazon yeah. and, you know, if a publisher picks it up, they can, they can take it off. So it's called Air, Artist in Residency. It's about the last five years running a residency here and it's also about living in Greece. It's, I, I, don't, I don't want it to be some sort of cliche tourist book, but it, it, it's like an alternative guide to... Greek life it's got demons and it's got angels <laughs> it's a kind of a Easy. bit like a soap opera in, in an artist residency that's the secret behind artist residencies is they are very much like <laughs> yes. a soap opera or as place get your heart out <laughs> uh-huh, exactly <laughs>
Well, I am deeply interested in reading that when that comes out. I'll so see, you'll see it. Um, on, let I'll me be, know. Be, yeah, talking about it on Facebook for sure. You'll see it. Well, and I can put a link in the show notes. I will hang up and then we can do our goodbye. Okay. For real. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye. Okay, bye. Thank you. That's all for this episode of The Side Woo. Thank you so much for listening and please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts or follow on Spotify and be the first to know about the latest episodes. You can also subscribe to my mailing list to get alerted to any kind of updates, discounts, you know, whatever it is that I end up doing. But, you know, if you want to be alerted to that kind of thing, feel free to go to my website, ninaarnett.co and subscribe for the mailing list and you will get them. You will get those emails at some point. Okay. That's all for now. Bye-bye.